Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Filter Feelings. I'm Brenda Edwards and on this podcast we have conversations about issues that matter with people who have stories to share. Over the past few months, the death of George Floyd, a black man in police custody, has provoked debates about racism all over the world. George Floyd was arrested in the city of Minneapolis for allegedly using counterfeit money to buy a pack of cigarettes. He died after a white police officer kneeled on his neck for nearly nine minutes. At the time of recording, the police officer has been charged with, but not yet convicted of murder. George Floyd's death has led to many people showing their support for the Black Lives Matter movement through protests and on social media. In this special episode of Don't Filter Feelings, we're discussing the death of George Floyd with Kelly Bryant and Chelsea Healy. They'll be sharing their personal experiences of racism and the effect racism can have on children from a mother's point of view. And be aware that this podcast does contain language which you may find offensive. Before we start, Kelly's asked me to read out some stats to give some context to today's conversation. Ethnic minority groups make up the highest proportion of workers in elementary jobs, the lowest skill type of occupation. Decades later, over 150 people from the Windrush generation were wrongly detained or deported. These individuals have now been contacted by the government's task force. Fewer than 4% of students at Britain's top five universities are black. A 2011 study found that nearly seven in 10 stories in the mainstream news about young black men and boys related in some way to crime. Black children are nearly three times as likely to be permanently excluded as white British children. Let's say hello to Kelly and Chelsea. Hi, Brenda. <laughs> Hi. Hello, beautiful. How are you two both feeling today? I'm feeling quite good today. I've had a great day filming. Um, but I was a little bit, I knew in the back of my mind that I had this coming up today. So if I'm honest, I was kind of, um, yeah, it has kind of made me feel it's a little bit anxious just in terms of having the conversation because I know what we're going to talk about. And whenever you start to talk about things like that, you know, it inevitably brings up kind of feelings. So, yeah. But yeah, but on the whole, yeah, I'm pretty good today. And Chelsea, how are you today? The same as Kelly. I'm obviously a little bit anxious, um, but it's definitely something that needs to be talking about. But on a whole, my day has been gorgeous. I've spent it with my little baby girl. I've had a day off work. In fact, my whole week's been quite good. I'm back at work fully now. So, yeah, I'm really positive. I'm feeling good. So I just want to ask you, as we're going to be talking about children, how old are your children and what, what do you both have, just so that people can know what the situation is? I've got two children, um, Regan and Kaori, aged um, eight and aged six. Superwoman. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got one um, daughter, Coco, who is three years old. And she's adorable. <laughs> she's naughty. She's a very naughty girl. <laughs> Aren't they all? Aren't they all? <laughs> well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. How has the past couple of months been for you as members of the Black community? For me, it's been tumultuous. Um, from the moment that we lost George Floyd that was actually captured on camera, which I think um, even when I first saw it, I was 
horrified that I was actually watching it. I mean, I think it was my dad that said to me, because my dad's always sending me stuff. He was like, have you seen this? And, um, and then I started to do some research and I, and I and looked it up and I watched it start to finish. Um, and then I started to get really, um, really angry. And then I started to look up different things like the, the, the steps leading up to it, um, what happened afterwards. Like I was like, what, what, what's the reason for this? So I started to research it and um, I looked at some of the, the footage that had been online about the, the facts leading up to it and the fact that this was actually about a, a fraudulent um, note. Somebody loses his life over a note that was used that, was, that wasn't actually the correct currency. So, um, that, so it, I was really angry, um, furious, in fact. Um, and you know, I did actually sit down and, and, and watch it with my children um, because there was so much talk about it, and they were going, they were going to school. Yeah, they were going to school, and because Kaori was still at school at that particular time, she'd gone back, and there was lots of talk about it, and there was stuff on the news. And so, yeah, I sat them down. I found an age-appropriate version of, of events. I was going to say because that was quite graphic. Yeah, no, absolutely. I found like an age-appropriate. Um, clip and we watched it and Kaori kept saying but mommy why are they doing that to him he's a policeman like he's the police you're supposed to go to the police because they make you feel safe and um I then you know once I turned it off I then had this really long conversation with them about what they'd seen and and about why that had happened and then coming back to work it was um it was really difficult because I had done this post um, for, for, for Hollyoaks, um, uh, in terms of just really just our response and, and just sort of moving out of our respect, we've kind of gone into silence, social media silence, as everybody else had as a mark of respect with Blackout Tuesday. Um, and I was asked to, you know, to, to give a response and, and very rightly, I think people in positions at, at Hollyoaks were saying they didn't want it to come from a white middle-class voice, whoever that was going to be. So somebody in a position of power. And I really resonated with that. I was like, yes, I think I completely agree with you. Um, and I know that I've been heavily criticized for that decision. At the time when I did the post, I was very numb um, because I'd just seen what had happened to George and I was horrified by what I'd seen. And I, I was asked to give a response on behalf of the company that I work for. And so, yeah, I did what I felt was right. I want to be really clear about this. So a lot of people, a lot of the criticism was that I'd been given what to say. And no, not really. I'd spoken to press and they'd said, look, these are the things that we need to kind of be respectful of and mindful of. But other than that, the words were my own. Um, and I said what I felt was right at the time. But yeah, after that kind of blew over, um, I feel like I've really got what we've really got to do. And my sense about Black Lives Matters is that we have to kind of look at the long term effects of this knee jerk. So the foot on the on the neck um, for me is like, and it sounds disrespectful but it's like, it's another life lost. You know, we're looking at Rice who's lost his life. We're looking at, there are so many others that have lost their lives before now. 
And this is another horrendous loss of life. And hopefully it's going to, it has, it has started a new conversation. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now if he hadn't lost his life. So a lot of important things have happened and, uh, and have been instigated since then. So for me, um, yeah, I, I, I'm fo- very much forward focused. So now I'm like, okay, this has happened. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to ensure changes so that people that come after me that join Hollyoaks, that come after me that are on the panel at Lucerne, that come after me in many different settings that I've been in, in my, my career has started from music. So I want to make sure that whilst I'm here and in the position that I'm in, that I can do the very best that I can to change things for good, not for today, if that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Chelsea? I'm going to be honest, I couldn't watch it. Was that because it made you too angry or it was too upsetting? Sad, upset, angry, yeah, everything. I just think when I see certain things like that, it plays on my mind and I just didn't, I just, I, I just didn't want to see it. I was at home first when the video first came out watching this and just hearing him screaming for his mother oh no this is the reason i mean i I watched like all of two seconds of it and even them two seconds just broke my heart and i i just couldn't physically watch it all like it's it's just heartbreaking honestly (laughs) i couldn't i don't know how you guys feel when this happened i had a lot of people messaging me directly on my social media saying to me to use my platform to say something and putting me under that pressure which I thought to myself I have no problem in saying what is on my mind I have I've never had a problem in saying what I believe and there was there was a part of me that felt a little bit of resentment don't tell me how to feel I also had this situation with personal friends non-black friends phoning me saying I feel like I should say something do you want me to say something and my point on that was if you feel like you should say something, if that hat fits you, yeah. then you wear it and you say what you want to say. I found it a bit strange. Um, I had, uh, I had, I've had a few white people saying to me, "Oh, you know, um, I'm not really sure what to do or how to respond," and that I took as genuine because they were coming from a place of I want to do something, as in, you know, like if somebody dies you want to pay your respects you want to buy flowers you want to lay them down you want to you know remember them give a minute silence or whatever you want to pay your respects to that thing that's happened and I felt a real weight from certain white people who would come to me and say I I want to do something to show that this means something to me and how do I do that without being offensive how do I do that you know without being um you know almost gimmicky in my approach you know what do I say? And I think, you know, I, I think someone like Holly Willoughby handled it beautifully. You know, she posted black and said that she stood with all of her black, you know, um, co-workers, you know, directors, producers. She just stood with, with us. And that made me feel like that's come from you. You, you know, that's how you feel. It's really clear. The message is really clear. I get it. And thank, and I appreciate it. You know, like, um, so yeah, it, it, I think, you know, some, some, some white people felt awkward in knowing what to do and how to, how to express support 
without being you know criticized i guess obviously both of you uh, are wonderful actresses um in hollyoaks and we love it in this household let me just say that um but i want to ask you Chelsea, if I come to you first, can you tell us about your own personal experiences within the TV industry? Um, there's one one time that really sticks in my mind, and this was when I was a lot younger, and I'd gone for a part. Um, anyway, it didn't um, say like exactly like um, whether they wanted the actress to be of a colour. Um, so I've I've gone for the part, and then the I didn't get it anyway. But the um, the the response that my agent got back was, oh no, we went with a white girl. And this was so long ago, but at the time I must have only been about 13, 14. But I think my agent had phoned him up and said, oh, like, what's going on? He said, oh no, like, we love Chelsea. I think it was down to me and another girl. We love Chelsea and she was amazing. She went, but we've, we've, we've decided to go for um, a white girl to play the part. Um, and that's one thing that really always did my head because you were so young did you understand no i think i just kind of brushed it off i honestly just, yeah i just said oh you know like obviously i was upset that i didn't get the part but i think for them saying you know we went with a white girl i think more so now i'm a little bit older i'd kind of question that but i think at the time i was so young and i just kind of brushed it off i guess how have you found things, Kelly? Uh, well, the music industry was very outwardly racist um, when I started in. It wasn't sort of micro-racism um, or unconscious bias. It was very broadly, broad brushstrokes, um, yeah, racism. Um, you know, you were blatantly told you were not on the front cover of that magazine. You were not chosen because you're a predominantly black band and black people don't sell magazines, is what we were told in writing. Um, and so it was very outwardly racist in those days. And, you know, you'd go to a country, I mean, I'm talking like 20, 25 years ago, we'd go to, I remember when we went on tour in, um, in Australia and, you know, we we're quite big over there and we were touring and we went, we'd lost our makeup bags in, um, you know, when you lose it through travel and you're traveling through airports and we'd lost one of the bags and we had to go shopping for makeup. And so we said to the record company, oh, really sorry, we need to go shopping for makeup. And every makeup shop we went in didn't have any makeup for black girls. It was all white makeup. And, and one of the tellers in like a big department store, we went to a really big department store, said, we don't do makeup for your kind. You might want to go down to the, to the, um, to the, to the shops that do, um, you know, stuff for like horror films and like stage makeup. And so... So we were so embarrassed, um, you know, we were so young at that point. We were like 17 year old girls, you know, and so, and we were really embarrassed and the record company were clearly embarrassed and like, oh, we're really sorry and da, 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 da. But in those days it was so um, very outwardly racist. So, you know, you turn up somewhere and they would only direct their questions to Louise and they would ignore the other three girls in the band. They would only ask Louise the questions, they would only be interested in Louise, and they would only... But then Louise had it in the flip side, where when we went to America, and because in America they thought that we were a fully black band because of our sound, so it was only when we actually physically got to the country that they recognised that Louise was white. So they just thought Louise is mixed race, or light, or fair, fair a fair complexion. So it was only when we got there, they were like, oh, she's white. And so 
it would be the opposite. They would only ask, you know, ask the questions. They would only do this, and, you know. Um, and also we'd have things like, you know, lighting, for example. They would never, ever light black people adequately. So we'd be on TV shows. Louise, you could see her, and we'd be almost in darkness. We'd always be like, oh, hey, <laughs> from the shadows. Um, so it was, it was really out, you know, very outward racism. Um, and so, so coming from that to, you know, dealing what, with what we were, were dealing with now, for me, there is progression. So I can see, you know, things have changed. But even if we look at, I don't know, things like um, the movies, for example. So Black Panther is the first Marvel superhero film with a predominantly black cast. And globally, Black Panther is the 11th highest grossing film of all time, which is, you know, I mean, we're looking at you know movies like Titanic, for example, but it is the 11th highest grossing film of all time. And it's currently made to date 1.34 billion. So if there are any arguments that say that, you know, I don't know, there isn't any power in, in black people being on screen or the presence of black people on screen, I think that kind of puts it to bed, doesn't it? I think there was a big blow up that happened when the Black Panther film came out and everybody was all powerful and, you know, there were conversations starting to really come to the forefront. What do you guys think make of that, that movie and the impact that it had yeah we had a black panther party so all the kids got, yeah but it was but literally in london all the kids got dressed up so the little ones all got dressed up in afrocentric colors and had their afros out and watched the movie and we did we watched it as a family and it was such an iconic moment to be able to watch every like all of the lead actors and actresses in, on the screen were black and black and like wearing you know shaved heads and 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 afros and it was such a celebration of everything that is that is that makes us proud of our culture and it definitely shifted the narrative in terms of how we perceive black people because they were superheroes you know black panther they were absolute superheroes like you know when i was growing up it was all about you know wonder woman and supergirl and you know i heart there wasn't um an, an Avenger character or a, or a superhero that was black it just didn't exist. So um, it was just wonderful to see us empowered in that way. Chelsea, what has life been like for you growing up as a dual heritage woman? Do you know what? I think this just shows like how small-minded like and how uneducated people was like years ago because I used to get called the P word for like Asian. Right. And that is them obviously not being educated on what my heritage is, you know. Um, Can I ask you what your heritage is? Um, Jamaican, half Jamaican. Is that your mother or father? Dad's side. Dad's side is Jamaican. Mother's side is... White, English. What is your heritage, Kelly? So mine is Caribbean. So my mum is from St. Lucia and my dad's from Barbados. But the other thing is, my my great my great grandfather was mixed race, as in dual heritage, black and white. So that was on both sides. So there's a lot. I've got a lot of mixture going on. If you break if you break it down, yeah. Mm. Did you do? Did either of you other either of you done this whole ancestry thing to see your background? I haven't, but I would love to do it. One actually, Imran has on the show. He he did it recently. It's definitely. I'd love to do that. Chelsea, I was really upset and disgusted to hear um, that you had uh, your you be, that your daughter Coco had received 
racist troll abuse. Yeah. I mean, can you explain what's, what what was that about? Can you explain to because she's three now, right? Three. It's just heartbreaking. Any innocent child, like honestly, like this is one thing that I, I I would never put up with. I mean, even just little messages like, yeah, I got the most vile vile message about um, Coco actually not not too long ago. Um, it basically just called her a monkey. Um, and I just looked at her and just burst out crying because you know what? It's one of them like, there's been another time as well when she's come back from nursery and she said, Mama, um, I have brown skin. My friends say I've got, I'm brown. So I just said, uh, like my reaction was, yeah, but you're beautiful and brown. Like brown is so beautiful, Coco. And I think she's a little bit too young now to be having the conversation with her, but just so that she knows that like brown is so beautiful and you were like, um, but yeah, I remember getting the message on um, on Instagram and it basically just called her a monkey. Um, Where is Coco's father from? Her dad's Italian. He's got a really good colour though, her dad. Um, I think... She's darker than what I was when I was a baby. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's just this, this one thing saying it to adults, you know, we've like, I, you don't make it no better, but I think because we know how to take it, I think, Kelly, we've got thick skin. Well, I have. Did you retaliate by getting them blocked or or did you reply? Did you respond? I did reply. I mean, I sh probably shouldn't, but I think you can say whatever. You know, if that, if that message was about me, I'd be like, cool, you know what, say what you're saying. Like, I'm a big girl out here, but I think when you bring an innocent baby, like, I, just, I couldn't help myself. Unfortunately, my children were exposed to racism from very young. My, ch my son was five when he was told in a, in, a, in a setting that he wasn't allowed to play with a toy because he was black. Um, sorry, they used the word brown. The child used the language brown. You can't play with that toy because you are brown. Um, and Regan came home and he was really upset. And at that point, I'd raised him to see people as human beings and as people, not as colours. So that for him, there wasn't really a distinction. It was just people, the human race, and that was it. Um, we'd never had to have a conversation outside of that. But he came home with this incident and I dealt with the incident very harshly with the setting and I enforced... Um, uh, the, 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 the child, so basically the child was removed from the setting until the parent arrived um, and then there was a conversation happened and then I, I made sure that the particular setting changed their policy with regards to race relations and the way that they manage children. Um, so I then had to have a conversation with him about race and I explained the differences between black and white people and the difficulties that that might have and the implications of that which he'd already experienced at five. So, so that's why I'm very open with them. And I did let them watch an edited version of the George Floyd incident because I want them to be informed. I think it's really important that my children understand and have a pride in who they are an understanding of where they've come from, the sacrifices that have been made for them to have the lifestyle that they live, to have the choices that they have. I make sure that they know getting on a bus wasn't a privilege that you had that it wasn't a choice that you could have, that you could make. Um, that, were ha that had to be earned by sacrifices of people that went before you and sacrificing the fact of getting on that bus. If it wasn't for Rosa Parks, you couldn't even get on a bus. So I felt that educating them was important to understand the sacrifices that went before them, but equally to, to arm them for situations that they may find themselves in. 
because unfortunately I'm not with my child 24 hours a day in the same way that that happened at a setting that could happen on the street that could happen in a park that could happen in fact it did happen in the park once so I want to arm them so that they know how to deal with that situation for one and for two to, I want them to understand that there's a line so that they can understand the difference between acceptable behavior and inacceptable behavior so that they know very clearly if someone says this to you it's wrong if someone says this to you that's okay and so and that needs to cover race because we're living we're living in a society where racism is rife and I, I'm not living in the society that I wished I could have been in when I had my own children in in my own naivety before I had children, I was like, oh, when I grow up, it's going to be so different. They're not going to experience these things. They won't have to, which is why I'd raised my children as colorblind until I was forced into a situation where I had to address that myself as a parent and look and look at the fact that I hadn't actually prepared them for that incident. Had I had that conversation, perhaps Regan would have handled it differently. Now, you know what? I'm so proud of him because in that situation, he said, but why? And he went and told the teacher and the teacher dealt with the situation. And Regan actually went and shook the boy's hand afterwards and said, it's okay. Don't worry. It's fine. You know, don't worry. You've said, sorry, we can still play together. Um, and thankfully Regan had that, you know, he had that um, good sense about him to react in that way. Um, but yeah, that, so, so for me, it's really important to have that conversation so that they are armed and also that they, they know what's acceptable and what isn't. I think it will be, your children's generations and their children where we might see a change and it that saddens me that we're not going to see a change in my lifetime um what do you think about when do you think this change is going to come you know what i it saddens me to say this b and chelsea um but i actually don't think it's going to be in my children's or your children's time because i just think it's layers it's like peeling an onion. You know, okay, one, we win the battle, we're on a bus now, now we can go in a bus. One, we win another battle, now we can go in the front door, that's another battle. One, we win, do you see what I mean? Now we win a battle, now we've got the right to vote. Now we win a, it's, it's literally, it's just layers that we're uncovering of over 400 years of oppression, of oppression that we're just unpeeling. So each, with each incident, we're unpeeling and unveiling another level. And with each time that we unveil something, a whole new set of people are getting a revelation. So people are going, oh, wow, I didn't see that. No, you didn't. Do you see it now? Yes, I do. And then you move forward to the next chapter. And then you speak to a whole nother lot of people. Martin Luther King, he spoke to a whole load of people who got it and he had a dream and we moved to the next level. So I just think that with the, with the generations that go on, what will happen is there'll be vast improvements and you know things, like I said, you couldn't get makeup before, now you can, right? We didn't have a black hair and makeup, makeup artist before at Lime Pictures at Hollyoaks. Now we do. We didn't have, you see what I mean? So the changes are happening stage by stage, right? And stage by stage. So I think by the time our children grow up, it'll be better. And there'll be those improvements that we're talking about now. They'll have, you know, they'll have different improvements. But I still think racism will exist unconsciously and 
consciously. But I think, you know, in the same way that it's taken over 400 years to, to, you know, to happen, it's going to take that same amount of those centuries are going to have to elapse for it to be, for that work to be undone. The difficulty I find is that things like, you know, you know, with people removing statues of slave masters and things like that, with that pulling those kinds of things down, um, I, I get it. And I, I was totally, I, I totally got the, the, the passion and, and the anger that those kinds of things came from. Um, but I equally still see that um, there's a place for, for that because that history is important that history is important to know and recognise that that happened and he did do that, you know. Kelly, Chelsea, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Kelly, have you got any final thoughts? Yeah, so I guess really my fi final thoughts are that I'm very proud of, of, our, of our CEOs at the top of our company who have taken a little step back to reflect on the sort of culture at Hollyoaks and the things that we can improve on. Um, and I'm not even beginning to say we're a finished product, but we are a work in progress and I'm proud that we are at least doing that work. I mean, I'm happy to say that we've now got, you know, um, we've now introduced some um, artists within the makeup and hair department. So we've now got um, a black hair and makeup artist and looking to to introduce further ones. And we've also got Ferna McKenzie, who is on board as our cultural advisor. And she, I mean, her career stems so far back in terms of black press and the whole community. I think she's a massive figure within our community. So to have her on board really feels like it's going to bring a weight of authenticity in terms of our queries or um, our voices being heard culturally and then having an accurate representation on screen. Um, and that's being introduced on a weekly basis. So it's not just a one-off. We're actually sitting down with her on a weekly basis to have an input culturally to make sure that we are accurately represented on screen. So, I mean, there, there, there are some major decisions there that have been taken, but not just um, listened to, but actually adhered to. And now they are part of our everyday life at Hollyoaks, which has made a massive difference in terms of us feeling like we've been listened to and heard and actually action being taken. So, um, and it's also, I think, brought us all together, like the whole cast together, because a movement like BLM um, and everything that it stands for um, has made us all stop and think about our actions in everyday life and how we are affecting those that are around us. So I am extremely proud to be part of Hollyoaks and everything that we stand for and, every, and all of the changes that we are happy and conscious of making. So I'm, I'm, and I'm really looking forward to further changes in the future because um, it's it's a work in progress and I think we all are I think there's so much of that in in in, in, cr in cross cultures um, and in cross um, companies um, alike I think that we're all taking a look at ourselves and seeing the changes that we can make positively to support all cast members and in particular black cast members if you want more Don't Filter Feelings, then you can search the hashtag or check out Hollyoaks on your social feeds. And if you've been affected by anything you've heard on this podcast or seen on Hollyoaks, then there's help and support at channel4.com slash support. <laughs>